0: Hey friends, have you even thought about donating to Forward Radio? You know that there's wicked great programming on Forward Radio like this stuff here. This stuff's gonna blow your socks off. And not only the fantastic commentary from Patty, but the musical stylings of Maestro Rudy Volkman. Enjoy. Welcome
1: to Critical Thinking for Everyone! And welcome to our show, which is all about critical thinking and all about you.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Every one of us, all of us are thinkers. So <laughs> glad you joined us for this show about thinking.
1: Yeah. Well, we're kind of thinkers on a sliding scale.
2: Oh, okay. yeah.
1: sometimes we're just conscious and just on autopilot. And other times we're really thinking deeply and using up a lot of energy and effort. So wherever you are on the slide and scale, critical thinking is for you.
0: I think that's probably true. And so um, my name is Brian Barnes, and I'm one of the hosts of this show um, to try to bring critical thinking to you.
1: And I am Patty Payette, and I am the other co host, also trying to bring critical thinking to you. And I'm not sure I have as good a radio voice as Brian, but it's pretty good.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think our radio voices are um, are quite adequate for the task, if if I do say so myself. So. <laughs> I think
1: so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. And we have been doing this uh, hour, power hour of critical thinking for three years. We just passed our three-year anniversary. Yay! Happy anniversary!
0: Absolutely.
1: We're still going at it, folks, because guess what? You're still going at it. You're still trying to think and get up and do things with a pandemic raging. Oh, and and everything else that's raging in your life. We
0: need tools. That's what we're always talking about on the show. We need tools to think these things through.
1: Yeah, we do. So we have some fun tools coming at you today.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, we we're. I, I think we're ready for. Um, you know. I think we're ready to disclose. Some of the tools of critical thinking in more detail, the way that we often do. Do you um, do you want to start off with tools, or how do you want to go,
2: Patty?
1: Mm, well, I think I'd like to um, start by sharing a couple topics. One, in, one in particular that I want that we're going to talk about today, and then we can kind of see what kind of meta tools we want to bring to that.
2: Okay.
1: So. Let's do it. So, great. All right. So, today's topic is from an article from David Brooks, one of my a writer in one of my favorite publications, which is what, Brian? What's one of my favorite publications? The New York Times. Right. The gray lady herself.
0: The gray lady.
1: Because I'm a total nerd. I'm not sure who's nerdier. I think maybe you are, but you have better hair.
0: You said "gray lady." I think that's pretty nerdy. I mean, that's a that's a that's another level that's of uh, slang.
1: Yeah, slang. That's like nerdy newspaper people. Like your dad, Larry, the, the retired journalist. He knows what the "gray lady."
0: Oh, he does. He's referred to her many times.
1: Yeah. So I am definitely a news newspaper. I'm a newspaper nerd. You are yeah. not. You are no, not. I don't,
0: no, I'm not. Um, this is actually an interesting critical thinking aside. You know, a lot of people say that, um, the thinking is better if you do, um, if you're working with hard materials, like tangible materials, like, you know, often on the show we're we're ruffling papers and we're saying, ah, these are pages kids or whatever goofy thing. Um, is it the case that for you the learning is better with the tangible New York Times pulp edition?
1: That is an ex- such an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked that. Because oh, we, one of our very first shows that – what What What'd you say? So, did, did
0: you want to talk about that? I had no idea.
1: No. Well, I, since you raised it, yes, I'm excited to talk about it because one of our very, very first shows three years ago – November, three years ago, was the work of Nicholas Carr, who yeah. did research on how people read differently on a screen than the way they read a book. Right, right. Right? And yeah. so that really rung my chimes. And yeah. um, so when I am reading a book or a newspaper or something on paper, I have a different focus. I have a different mental focus and Nicholas Carr described the way we read on the internet or on a screen as, um, he had a word, it had skim in it. I can't remember the word, but it was something like, there's a kind of skimming we do. Skim milk. (laughs)
0: Is that it?
1: (laughs) No. Skim. Try another one. Skim.
0: Skimming.
1: Skim. Skimmy dipping. No.
0: Skimming
1: skimming
0: like the I'm vase the the skimming vase
1: oh look at you look at you Maybe. what else what else you want to throw out there um right isn't there an animal
0: called a skimk sorry that's probably not
1: <laughs> all right we are really going down a, an unpleasantly weird rabbit hole if you'd but, like to
0: um, offer your your thoughts about skim
1: well, I'm I just quickly looked up Nicholas Carr's work here while we while you were I distracted you so I could look it up. <laughs> it, was very, it was very effective. Nice one. Um, he talks about skimming uh, is becoming our dominant way of reading cuz like we skim, surf and scan, right when we're doing the internet and he talked about yeah, right because of the link scan. Yeah, we do that. And so he said um, his research really looked at how that can impact uh, the, how it's different and it can take us away from the other ways we're used to reading before we had the internet, right. And we were reading off of a printed page. So anyway, I love, I love sitting down with the actual newspaper and the actual book. Cause you know, I will send you photos. I will take a photo of the newspaper page and I will text it to you. I'll be like, Brian, this is a great article.
0: And then oh, I'm not. supposed to, I'm kind of, I have to kind of expand the thing. And I know, to, you know, I can, know. If I can get the angle to change so I can read this word. But I do I do learn some things when you do that, that's for sure. That's First good. of all, that you really like the printed page.
1: I do, and you and I are different that way.
0: No, no, no. I like the printed page. I just don't, I, I have made really strong efforts to try to break my reliance upon it. And I, I think that I don't do a very good job, right? I mean, I I really find that when I work with an actual book, I'm so much more engaged, frankly. Maybe it's the object, maybe it's the singular purpose of this object, you know? Cause like maybe if I'm reading on a device, I have a tendency to pop around to other things, maybe.
1: I'm scanning and surfing.
0: Indeed, indeed. And so, There's that. Um, But uh, so much of what I do involves sharing materials with others that are digitized. It's just that's a big part of my interactions with just about every um, uh, sort of group of people who I work with,
1: especially this year,
0: especially this year. But I mean, it's been like this for a while. And there's also the issue because I have this, you know, professorial hat that I'm that I'm wearing a lot. There's also the issue of paid materials versus free materials, right? And so especially if you're talking about something like philosophy, I'm going to go I'm going to make somebody buy a copy of a Plato dialogue. It's been around for a couple thousand years, certainly a couple hundred years in English. There are many used copies out there for sure. I could try to track down the right number of editions, but it's also just digitized on the internet. The very same um, version or translation right, or whatever. Right. You get so I just link students to that, right? And the problem is for me, just for me personally, when I go and do that, I just. I think I make a weird face when I read it. I mean, I just find it mildly distasteful to kind of scroll through these old documents that I learned originally on paper to kind of scroll and get the thing. And then like, I can't really mark on it easily. Somebody's like, oh, you need to download that. That's my whole problem. I don't want to download them. Right. I've already got a highlighter and a pen and, right. blood, so, and I've got what I need.
1: So let me ask you this. When you said that, you know what I thought? I thought when I, if you sent what, me a, what I, that's what you thought. <laughs> I thought I'm glad I'm not him. No, what I thought was, hey, if if Brian sent me a thing by Plato that I had to read on the screen, it would feel like a chore. Whether whereas if you had given me a book, it would feel more like an opportunity.
0: Oh wow. That's an interesting analysis. Did you get that from somebody else that you're gonna show? No, us?
1: I just no, had my an emotional response and I looked at that.
0: Critical thinking insight. Look at this. This is the stuff. This is where we're this is what we're we're here to show you, folks.
1: We're here to yeah. We're here to do our thinking in real time and talk about it.
0: Yeah, we do that. And and so a lot of people are like, I need to talk about themselves. Well, ourselves <laughs> are the thinkers.
1: Like
2: your student said, like
1: you're like in the show earlier this year when you said you had a student who were who was like he talked about himself the whole class and you were like
2: I have brought that yes
1: I think
0: I brought that up every two weeks for the entire semester I've said something I've been like now I know that many of you will say that all I do is talk about myself but let me reiterate. When I'm giving examples <laughs> about myself, it is because blah, 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 blah. And they're going to so, get murdered on it. So all.
1: then near the end of the semester, did you say, so the reason I'm talking about myself is, and then I dot, dot, that. dot. It's, a,
0: it's actually been a quiz question. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Barnes talk about himself in multiple choice? You know, see <laughs> I love it. People I missed love it. it. I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> Right.
1: Because because if you could see into someone else's brain in the classroom and use their thinking as an example, you would do it.
0: Well, and and I talk about that. I talk about why we want to use our own thinking just for the listeners, in case you're wondering, like, why can't we just use other people's thinking? There's plenty of examples of thinking. It's because thinking is a highly personal thing that I have to be able to do. Right. So it's one thing to read someone else's thinking they've already done. The issue is, what about the thinking that I'm doing? And so I can't really tell. I can read. So a great if people want to read something nerdy, read John Mills autobiography. Right. One of the classical utilitarians in the first couple of chapters, he talks about his own education, his own development in stunning detail. I mean, just. <laughs> Unbelievable detail That's about his on it. mathematical education. This passage from Aeschylus, he read in Greek. Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> only a six. I mean, all this stuff, and you're like, what? But, but the question is, when you're reading that, what I'm always asking is, does, did he really remember this with this level of detail, like all of this, or is this something that he went back and reconstructed later? And so while it's a great example of a person reconstructing their own early education for us, it is, in my view, obviously a reconstruction and not a just simple remembrance. So then I have to ask myself, when he talks about his thinking in the reconstruction, can I trust that? Can I try, when he's he's talking about it as if it is his, this is my original thinking when I was nine or twelve, yeah. or and I'm like, ah, I'm not sure that I find this reliable. But what is reliable is my own thinking. And even though many of us do delude ourselves and lie to ourselves, and Give ourselves misdirection. It's way more easier to detect that stuff in my own thinking, as right, difficult as right. it might be, than in someone else's thinking when I don't even have access to it. Right, like John right, Mills. Right. Who knows what he's making up?
1: Um, that's a whole interest. You know, that is a whole interesting question, and we should do a whole show on the nature of autobiography, and the and the. I have some interesting things that I studied in grad school when I was doing research on autobiography and cool. and the that's nature so cool. of people making meaning of their own of their own life experience so that's a whole other topic but it's a it's an interesting one
0: I but, have a lot to say about autobiography
1: you do okay well then let's 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 put a pin in that for a future show sure uh, but oh, today's show.
0: Oh wait! Before we do that, I just want to point out to everyone. Uh, just on the same topic, I saw an interesting meme the other day. Right, yes. connecting the virtual world with our world, and the meme said, um, "If you're if you're upset about fake news, wait until you hear about history."
1: Oh yes, I saw that. I thought that was brilliant. That was brilliant. If you're if you're worried about people making up. <laughs> this stuff here, my God, how can we trust
0: anything in the biotech? So industry?
1: is history really? a social science or arts and humanities? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's actually a debate in some historical, some history scholars about whether the, the Department of History at Michigan State, just as Ed and I were, were graduating and leaving, moved from arts and sciences to social sciences. Mm.
0: That's Isn't that a, interesting. That's a, that's interesting. I would say that that's, I mean, I would have difficulty supporting that move, frankly. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, as a faculty, I would yeah. go, ah, I'm not sure, but, uh, opinions there, vary. does, does, yeah. does Ed, your husband, the historian, consider himself a humanist or a social scientist?
1: That is a fascinating question for which I am sure I will get a, a long response. So I will ask him, I'm curious. I will ask him, and if I'm sorry right you to have
0: taken up so much of your time. <laughs> in this way, I'm sure that this will be a long response. I thought maybe you'd already you'd already, you just had a sense of it already, but
1: no, 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 no. Yeah. We're too busy talking about grocery lists and flat tires. No, no, we uh, we do.
0: <laughs> you guys are pretty nerdy, intellectuals. We
1: are. We we do get into some nerdy conversations. I will admit. For sure. Um So, uh, but
0: more on that. But but, but, but I do think that's interesting. I mean, you know, the question, of course, is to what extent when we even talk about a discipline like history or, dare I say, philosophy in a social science context, like where's the grounding for making that decision? Like what what different methodologies? Because, I, I mean, I was a history major for half a minute. And college. Yes. And I never saw I mean, I knew all the all five of the history professors there. Um, and uh, I mean, nobody had a social science angle. In fact, I was interested in social science and would sometimes raise issues um, in meetings with faculty and stuff that were social science questions like what, you know, can we look at history through a sort of lens of trying to get at some real outcomes and, and use some of these theories from these other disciplines to explain stuff. And they were totally against it. Those people were totally against it. This wow. is this is this is a book that you read, Barnes. Like this is it's like this is how it is, baby. And we don't need to bring these other tools in here. Wow.
1: Well okay, we're gonna have to talk about this at a future show and maybe we'll interview Edward.
0: Oh that'd be neat. That'd be neat. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody else would like to weigh in on this, you can reach out to us over our Facebook page at Critical Thinking for Everyone. We would love to hear from you about anything. You can click that like and follow business, um, and then you can uh, get updates about our stuff, and you can um, know when we you know, post a new show or something like that. Um, and just since I'm – doing a little housekeeping, let me take a moment to say that you are probably listening to this on WFMP LP Forward Radio, 106.5 FM, Louisville, Kentucky. We are out of the Hayburn building in downtown Louisville. And um, this is social justice radio by the people for the people. And uh, we hope you will get involved with time, talent, or treasure at forwardradio.org where you can also get Programming schedules for this fine program and the literally dozens of ass kick in content on this channel. Yes. And I'm pretty sure the SEC has no problem with me talking about donkeys.
1: <laughs> oh, good one, Barnes. Um, yeah. Okay, so Hopefully. now we get to the show after our. lengthy prelude as we are want to do. Well, let me just say
0: we have, we have done much to wish people a happy holiday.
1: (gasps) Oh. Oh, are you still honoring that colonialist, uh, holiday Thanksgiving?
0: I am honoring the idea that people honor it. It is definitely a murderous villainous, um, Trash heap of a historical story with the colonizing and the genocide, etc. Yeah, bunch of bunch of donkeys for sure. But what a lot of people might be gathering while they listen to this thing.
1: Well, they might be because uh, they might not have a big group of family to engage them, and they might be looking for some other way to stay engaged today, this week. So for those of you who are gathering to give thanks for whatever, for all that you have, we join you and say happy holidays.
0: Have a nice listening party.
1: And Brian, as we are doing, I see him on the screen as we are talking right now. He is dr- sipping from a Hollis Starbucks holiday cup.
0: I busted. Yeah. <laughs> One hundred percent.
1: So you are celebrating the holidays
0: with your Starbucks? Oh, always. Yeah, they're they're integral to my um, to my holidays. <laughs> a whole other topic. Well, there are so many other topics, but yeah, we don't we don't think that um, we think that if you have opportunities to spend time thinking about the holidays with your people, that you should. And I am going to provide for you a short. Musical interlude from Dr. Maestro Rudy Volkman, my friend the composer, so that you can have a little bit of time to think about how you're going to start those holiday conversations. And when we come back, Patty's going to talk the rest of the time. <laughs>
1: Okay, good
0: one, Barnes. It's Jump 145.
1: We're back. We're back. We are back. Rudy Volkman, uh, thank you for the music. And um, we
0: don't like it more when she actually hears it, Rudy.
1: (laughs) 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 I'm sure I will. All right. The topic today, today's topic, nine uh, non-obvious ways to have a deeper conversation. So, nine, we have nine. So, we're only going to take a short look at each one, a critical thinking lens look. But it's each,
0: I think we can do it.
1: We could do it, okay? (laughs) I can do it. I'm not so sure about you, Dr. Barnes. I'm not supposed to talk
0: can... about the segment.
1: <laughs> well, so I, so David Brooks, this article, again, the title is Nine Non-Obvious Ways to Have a Deeper Conversation, whether it's Zoom or whether it's face-to-face at a distance with a mask, without a mask, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic. Okay, It's basically having a deeper conversation. So this perked up my critical thinking ears because... Why the title nine um, obvious ways to have a deeper conversation why did that why did that catch my critical thinking attention
0: You're asking me why?
1: Yeah, the t- based on the title, why?
0: Because you dig numbers. <laughs> and in particular, you like the 9 because it looks like a person flexing their arm and winking at the same You're time.
1: You're wasting some of our two precious Oh, so no, I don't
0: know. No, I don't know. I don't know. to have a
1: deeper conversation. Oh. Because,
0: because you have conversations.
1: Because conversations are like critical thinking. We are having them all the time. We can do them intentionally or we can be on autopilot. We can I be think, thoughtful about it or yep. we can just BS. Our way through a conversation.
0: I think I see yeah. what you're implying with that last comment. But let me but let me just say that I also think that some of this had to do with the fact that you constantly brag on our old Thanksgiving episode, the one that got so many – our first one, I think, got so many uh, listens. Yes. We gave advice.
1: Yeah, we gave advice – for those of you interested, go back a couple years on the, our SoundCloud account and just look under Thanksgiving because we did search under Thanksgiving because we did an episode about how to deal with conflict and differences around the Thanksgiving table. It was quite well-received. It was. So this one takes another tack. So if you're getting on a Zoom call with your family, you're like, what are we going to talk about once we talk about the turkey and what we had, what kind of pie we have, what else we talk about? So... Um, there's nine different ones, so I'm gonna just dive in for the first piece of advice. Okay, I'm gonna lay this on you. Approach with awe. Got that, Barnes? Approach with awe. A-W-E. So you up and you go, aww. <laughs> no, A-W-E, approach oh, so with awe. Go, <laughs> so that means, that means when you log on to Zoom with your parents on Thanksgiving, what should be your attitude? This, uh, when, he, when he says approach with all, what's what's he suggesting?
0: This, this is amazing what we're doing here. It's incredible that we can get together this way. It's wonderful that the technology facilitates this. And I feel so honored to no, be all of no, you. No, it's
1: not about the technology. It's oh, okay. about the human beings in front of you.
0: We should feel all toward them.
1: That every human being is a miracle and you're in superior in some way. The people who have great conversations walk into the room expecting to be delighted by you and make you feel the beam of their affection and respect. Wow. So you can tell, I'm sure you've met those people who have this magical ability to connect with the people around them and like zero in on them and be like, Hey, Like engage them, just naturally engaging and bring out the best in them.
0: Yeah, I just wonder how many times they've shown up to Thanksgiving, though. I gotta think about (laughs) that a little
1: bit. My friend Kevin is like that. Ah. He's very much like that. Uh, One of the, let me give you a little tip I learned from Kevin, okay? okay? Sure. One thing, and we've interviewed him, folks. If you're interested in, in who this guy oh, Kevin, is. yeah, he's Kevin short. Roberts. Yep. Very him On the SoundCloud. One of the things I love about him is one of the ways you can do this is like approach with awe. Is you dispense of the superficial social niceties of like, hey, uh, you know, instead of just being like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, how are you? You get rid of that, and you just go. Hey, cool! Nice to meet you. And you and you meet them, and you hear their name, and then you ask them something you're genuinely interested about. That oh, that's an unusual name, or something like you. You go, you you see them as an individual that you want to find a an on ramp into figuring out who they are, some way to connect with them, or maybe it's someone you've known a long time, a family member, like your parents. You think where what do i want to know what's going on with them today what can i how can i dial into where they are thinking and feeling today <clears throat> ask elevating questions
0: so not about people's
1: names so all of us have developed a way of being that is our technique for getting through each day but some questions startling as they seem first compel us to see ourselves from a higher vantage so so what he's suggesting is that we, when we ask people instead of just like, how are you or how are you surviving the pandemic or whatever, is that we ask questions that instead of like just a yes, no question that really tries to elevate the conversation, like what crossroads are you at? What commitments have you made that you may no longer believe in? I mean, these are pretty heavy duty questions, but even like a move like Brian, if you came back from vacation, which you wouldn't because it's a pandemic, but let's say you just, it wasn't, and you did. Sure. And I said to you, instead of just saying, how was your vacation? I'd say, what was your favorite thing about your vacation? You see, okay. it's a whole different way of engaging you. Okay. Yeah. Ask I mean, elevating questions.
0: So, I mean, to me, that, that's a little dangerous um, because of my philosophy thing. Because in philosophy, it's super easy to ask elevating questions, but they're definitely off-putting. So I think you have to maybe have some prepared that are, you know, just more conversational than some of the. Yeah, of
1: the, you the, philosophers and your questions can really. Yeah, yeah you're. Yeah, that's a great point. You need to have some in your back pocket that are not philosophy questions.
0: Because I want to ask things like. Um, so, is it a good life? You're having a good life. What, do what would you,
1: Aristotle? What would Aristotle say about you and your level are you of happiness?
0: Ever with any of the ancient philosophers, would you like to talk about any of them? Whichever ones,
1: it's fine. Any of them? Uh, no, you need to, dude, <laughs> dude. You need to reach into another pocket of your jeans and pull out some other questions. How do you
0: feel about your impending death? Do you ever? At the holiday season, it's a good time to consider these things because we're surrounded by others in similar positions. It's a great time. All so.
1: right. So, ask elevating questions. So, give me. I just gave you an example of a question about, like, about someone comes back from vacation. You ask them about that. What's an example of an elevated question you could ask me? That's not a to dragging me into your philosophical rabbit hole.
0: We are all in this philosophical rabbit hole. First of all, let me just say that I'm sorry to point out the water, but I might say, Patty, I understand that um, the University of Louisville has been really making great in this trying time. Has any of that affected your role at UofL? Perfect. Nice. Very nice job. Is it too invasive if I don't know no. to ask that?
1: No. No. Okay. If you are more than six feet uh, uh, if you're closer than six feet, yes, it's invasive. Right.
0: But <laughs> sure, yeah, under those conditions. All right, okay, what else we got? The
1: next one, ask open-ended questions. So kind of similar but of elevating, but asking open-ended questions that, you know, Not what was it like? Nervous. Tell me about a time. You just gave a good example of an open-ended one that you just said, how do you manage to cope? Mm-hmm. Um, during this pandemic, have you? what have you developed something to help get you through the pandemic these days, right? Or what do you mo- miss the most about regular life before, you know? So you want to ask people these kinds of open-ended questions. That's so, a way.
0: Yeah, and so, and so some questions are not going to be good for open-ended. Like, did the election turn out well for you? Right. Not very open-ended do you like Batman? Not so open ended, yeah. Yeah. right? We're gonna, these things are going to end quickly. You have to ask different questions about Batman,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Or who's your favorite superhero and why? Who's your favorite politician and why? Yes, I like, like that. Holidays, I like that. That's another good one for the holidays. Set the whole thing on fire. Maybe what's your favorite kind of pie? Thanksgiving pie. Maybe that would be.
0: As opposed to politicians? Yeah, that might be better. That'd be a fun game. You could go with what's your favorite P word thing. And everybody around the table has to provide a different P word, right? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite patty? There you go. That would be one, right? And some people would say, well, I only know one. And then, of course, we move on. But, you know, it's definitely. Okay, next one.
1: This one is to have a deeper conversation. Make your conversation partner an author, not a witness.
0: Isn't that uh, so You're going to have them participate in the creation of the conversation.
1: <laughs> it says the important part of people's lives is not what happened to them, but how they experience what happened to them. So, so rather than just like, like I said, instead of just saying, where'd you go on vacation? What was your favorite part of vacation? What, what, are you going to hold on to from from that vacation that you did or that you experienced that like um did it live up to what you anticipated why or why not Mm, so it's like a meaning making question versus just a simple what happened question
0: okay yeah i think that no that's good and and um again some of those might be I can see easily us asking questions about values like, um, you know, do you think we should be eating this animal or something like that in those? And that I mean, that could again, that could go back to the maybe when I have different P words to work with, not just. <laughs>
1: do you think? we wait a, minute, wait a minute. Do you think we should be eating this animal? Is, is that what you just said? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be I think that would be a, a question that could really go to. No, <laughs> That's is
1: a yes a, or no question.
0: Oh, reframe it as. Yeah, no, of course. Well, I I guess I just, I guess I just thought that it would spawn a follow up. Um, But yeah, sure. So, so how about um, how do you feel about us eating a dead animal? That would be a good question for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. No. Oh, how do you?
1: No. No, Mister Mister Smug Vegan. No, no. Why can't we ask that question? Why? Because you're pointing out what they're actually
0: eating. Well, color me surprised. Thought, <laughs> all right. We'll just I'm going to let that one hang there and we're just going to go on with the show. <laughs> Thank you for that insight, which I could not have provided so eloquently myself.
1: <laughs> one time you called meat animal flesh and I was like, oh, my God, it's. So disgusting.
0: <laughs> I didn't give it that name. I just want to point out, I didn't decide that it was animal flesh. Like somebody else did that altogether. I just walked into the I know,
1: system. but when you do that, it really puts me off on eating.
0: Good, good. That's a, that's a fine outcome for every turkey out there right now.
1: Okay, next one. We're going to move on. Next one, next tip is um, treat attention as all or nothing. Okay, so put the, down. put the phone not only down, turn it off, and put it <laughs> in your freaking pocket. Right. When was the last time you put turned it off and put it, your phone in your pocket? Uh, about five minutes ago. Well, okay, besides when you're doing a radio show.
0: <laughs> oh, turn it off. Gee, I don't ever turn it off.
1: Yeah, see, that's part of the point is that they're making is that Attention, what do they say in this world of like the internet and your phone? Like attention is the ultimate, like um, that's sort of the coin of the realm for, for people who want your attention, your, your attention is sure. what is valuable. Sure. sure. And so when we give that to other people fully and really look at them when we're talking right. to them and, right. and give them our undivided attention. hmm. That's a real gift.
0: Sure, sure, unless unless you just ask them one of these hard questions and they don't want to answer it. But here we both are, eye to eye, stuck in this situation. So that would be a place where maybe this was not as desirable.
1: Well, that actually leads to another tip. Which is don't fear the pause. Uh,
0: I thought it was going to be something like make sure you wear headgear or a face mask.
1: No, don't fear the pause. Ask don't a difficult question, listen, and then pause before you respond. Which, um, Mr. Barnes, I don't know if Dr. you do that. Doctor Barnes. Doctor Barnes. Doctor Barnes. Thank you. I don't. Sometimes you're a doctor in my mind. Sometimes you're a Mister.
0: Sometimes it's the kiss. Same for me. Go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes not even that,
1: but. Um, you know. Pausing, that's really important.
0: You know, Dr. Rudy Volkman, who composed our little ditty earlier, uh, he often talks about the space between the notes as being very important. And okay. many, many compo- I mean, this isn't a radical insight, but I mean, we need those spaces, right? I mean, they're as much a part of the, the conversation as the rest.
1: They are, but for fast talkers like me and you, it can be very hard to let a slow talker, such as my spouse, like really give them attention while they're unfurling their thoughts.
0: It's true. It's true. We do have to, we do have to learn to wait in some regard.
1: Yes, we do. That and I'm glad you said learn. That is a good really important learning. And sometimes I would find myself I'm going to be t- I've made confessions on the show about my spouse before mm. or my relationship to my spouse. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm doing often I'm doing something else while we're having a discussion, like literally looking away, doing something else while we're talking. Right. Or shoulder whatever. So now I find myself like, stop, look up, have the conversation, looking at each other. Yeah.
0: Well, the world the world really values this um, uh, multitasking approach, right? I mean, that's culturally standard now. Yes. And it's probably really important for all of us to remember, especially those of us who find value in multitasking like you were just talking about, it's probably really important for us to remember that the, the people who study these things, the scientist doctors, they say um, that we don't actually do multiple things at once, that we're rapidly switching. Yes. And, and that we can't tell. To us, we're switching so rapidly that it seems like all of the things are in play. But in fact, we are taking our attention entirely away from the other nine things to focus on the one. And we don't recognize that unless we go and dig into the actual uh, brain science of it. And uh, most people, I think, don't recognize that. But it, But it It literally is breaking our attention over and over and over and over. And so so it's actually against the idea of something like deep conversation and real engagement like you're suggesting, Pat.
1: Wow. that is That's some laying it on really, really directly, folks, really to think about your conversational habits and your thinking habits too because they're connected. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you this. One of the reasons that I sometimes have trouble focusing is because I have, like, multiple tabs open in my brain. Like, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have to get at the store later, or I'm thinking about this email I need to return, right? Like, I'm, I have all these thick things, and I find that... I have trouble because my brain's like, oh, I forgot about that, or oh, I got to do this later. So I really, I've been thinking like I need to find a way to uh, download that task somewhere on a list so I don't have to keep, I don't have to, my brain doesn't have to keep uh, like this bulletin board of all this stuff and try to track it and remember. And then I try to go to bed. You know, when your brain is... And then, oh, oh, shoot, it's 11 o'clock. Oh, I forgot to... Oh, shoot, I forgot to return that email that I was supposed to return it or whatever. Oh, yeah. So for me, I find, like, I need somewhere to put it. And scraps of paper sometimes is hard for me to track.
0: Yeah, oh, scraps of paper are terrible. I mean, back in the day, of course, I was loaded down with Post-it notes and scraps of paper. Like, I mean, just, just immense piles of them sometimes, right, with little things on them. I started hearing scratch. Well names, notes, phone numbers. Remember we had to keep right. track of those things? Right. I mean addresses. Yeah. And so, you know, i I found myself, you know, constantly having to sift through those. And a lot of things got lost.
1: Yeah. So what so what do you do now?
0: Well now I have the the phone essentially is a is a centralized database. I don't I don't try to remember anything, frankly. Um, unless i <laughs> trying to read it to kind of present it to others or whatever. I, I really don't try. And I actually find that that helps me a great deal. It takes a lot of pressure off. So I don't make any effort to remember, for example, when I'm going to play tennis or something or when I have to go to class. I've got phone reminders, calendar. You, you set
1: up reminders in your okay, ca- Okay. So, okay. so, yeah, so I, have- I have an app, a list app, and I think I just need to use it more robustly. Like right now I use it for like Oh, ideas for Christmas gifts for different people, or movies I hear about that I want to watch on Netflix, mm. or occasionally things—a list of things I need to do this weekend. But I think I need to—I think I need to use it more robustly. That—that that would help me.
0: Oh, I'm yeah. I think um, I always recommend people use calendar. I mean, I, I was using multiple apps before. And now I just have everything into calendar in my calendar, yeah. and I make every
2: yeah good those- for you. Yeah,
0: it's
1: okay. It's okay. Okay, so we kind of got a little bit off topic here. So we talked about uh, treat attention is all or nothing. Don't fear the pause. There's a couple more in the list here. Keep keep the gem statement front and center. Gem statement. Do you know what that is?
0: The gem statement is that the frog you're eating today.
1: No, the gem statement is, hey, you know, I know we don't both agree on what to, we don't always agree on what to serve at Thanksgiving, but you know, I'm really glad we're gathering today because Thanksgiving is a real opportunity to connect even if we don't like the same kind of food. That's the gem statement.
0: What makes it a gem?
1: What makes it a gem is that in in a difficult conversation, the gem statement is a comment that recognizes what you have in common or your common ground. Okay. So, right. That, that is the thing that you two, you can, the point of connection you have with someone, even if there's, especially again, in a difficult conversation or something where you have different points of view, where, what could you say to sort of foster a connection while recognizing that we have some disagreements? That's a gem statement.
0: Okay. Isn't that good? Yeah. Well it's important to try to incorporate those kinds of things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I like that gem statement. I'm gonna remember that. It's a good one. I'm gonna remember a gem statement. When I'm feeling peaked with somebody.
0: What's peaked?
1: Peaked like I'm they like I'm irritated. Uh, and I want to talk about it. How okay. can I find that gem statement? So right. um, uh, find the disagreement under the disagreement. Aha. What do you sure. think of that, Mr. Philosopher? Getting into
0: those assumptions.
1: Yeah, it said okay. in the Talmudic tradition, when two people disagree about something, it's because that there's a some deeper philosophical or moral disagreement undergirding it.
2: I'll buy that
1: conversation that becomes a shared process of trying to dig down the underlying disagreement and the underlying disagreement below that. So with critical thinking, what's a way, what's a move, a a move, a metaphorical move we could make, I'm sorry, a rhetorical move we could make to get to the disagreement under the disagreement.
0: So we could ask people, um, to, Elaborate upon whatever they've identified as the disagreement. Um, we could ask them if there are parts that they can identify within that disagreement. Um, we could ask them if they can come up with any other with any particular causes or some kind of history or personal narrative surrounding the disagreement. All of this promotes um, the unpacking of complexity and depth, which I think is what we want when we're trying to do some kind of analysis to get to the next
1: level. I I think you're on the right track there. And one of the pieces of advice here is be curious about the other person's experience. So why, why did you think that? How did you come to that? Tell me more about, right. But then you have to be willing to listen,
0: right? And you have to be willing to follow up, I mean, that's where the the good questioning habits come in such that the best questioning is authentically born out of listening out of, out of, uh, you know, genuine in the moment listening, as opposed to, I'm trying to work the conversation around to where I can ask my prepared questions.
1: Right. or just go right to getting my way. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Sure. I mean if it works for you, I don't know. I don't want to do tell you, people to get do their you, way. Are, do you can. think
1: you're good at that?
0: No, I don't get my way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean do you think you're good at dealing with disagreements? Oh,
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I don't know who would be such a judge. I mean, I guess from my own point of view, um, a lot of a lot of people
2: family have asked me in the past to
0: engage in some degree of kind of mediation. Um, so that leads me to believe that I at least from some people's point, point of view can um, be level-headed in these things. I mean I mean certainly I have just as we've mentioned before, I have so many dishonest tricks up my sleeve. Uh, to your yes. so I really have to. I really have to make sure that none of those pop out, which is easier and easier now that I have trained myself to avoid them. Like before, it was just I'm just playing cards, you know. I'm just, just what's the next <laughs> one? What, what's going to work here? Like that was always what I was asking.
1: That's right? a gifted sophist. Mm. Well, um, I will, as someone who sometimes has disagreements with you, I have a thought about this. Oh, go ahead. I think you are good at staying with the conversation Mm. and really trying to get at what the issues, what the issues are while presenting your point of view, but not necessarily insisting that it's correct, Um, like expressing uh, it without having to be right. I think you're pretty good at that.
0: Well, I'm pretty good at being wrong. So that's easy. Right. So when you I think I think once a person recognizes their propensity for being wrong, it's really easy to embrace that. So I feel very good about about that.
1: Um, Yeah, I would say you're you're pretty good at that. You're you're pretty good at staying with it. I got to tell you. Well,
0: I mean, I I, I think uh, I think things need to get resolved. That's one thing. If we get into a disagreement, I'm. A lot of people are like, ah, you know, I want to walk away from it. I want to put it down. I want to, you know, I want to avoid it. Yeah. And I mean, sh- certainly after things are discussed, sometimes there are really good reasons to take a break or put it down or walk away. Like, but, but in terms of not starting the conversation, like walking away before we start, but knowing that a conversation must be had, ah, man, that's, that's no good for me. Just personally, I don't dig that at all. And, um, of course, since people have different character with regard to these things, I mean that I think some people find that to be off-putting. But um, I do try. I think I used to be really aggressive in getting those things going, whether people wanted to or not. I think I'm—I don't know—I try to do a better job now. I, not, just I think you're pretty. I
1: think you're pretty good. I, I give you. I think you're pretty good.
0: I appreciate it. Everybody try to be like me. No, no.
1: Everyone try to be like Doctor Barnes. No, All right, no. we've got we've got one more here. Do better. Do better. The midwife. Uh, the midwife model. That's what it's called. The midwife. Okay,
0: this is our last one. It's our last one. Hang in there, dear listener.
1: So, so and then I'm just going to quickly remind people what the nine were. This is number nine. Okay. Sometimes people talk to solve a person's problems, uh, and the advice here is a good conversationalist is like a midwife when you're letting the other person uncover their problem and talk it through. Like the the act the of like, what?
0: Is that what a midwife does?
1: Well, the midwife, right, helps give birth, somebody give birth to a baby. So the idea is like, if I said to you, oh, Brian, I'm really struggling with this problem at work. And you said, you know what? here's some advice and sometimes you do give me advice and, um, that's a good thing. Um, but sometimes what, what people need is you just to say, well, tell me what happened and, and why was that so upsetting or what, you know, like you're asking them questions and in the process of having to Like, tease out what the issues are, they begin to get their own insight and solve their own problems.
2: Oh, yeah, Um, that's
0: definitely what we want because nobody wants to be in the position of all the time being the answer person for everybody else, right? I mean, people want. Some
1: people like that, though. Some people like being the answer person.
0: Well, when I say people don't want to, I guess what I mean is it puts us in a position to decide for others, and then, you know, we're going to be held responsible for those things and for. For critical thinking, that's nonsense. You shouldn't shouldn't be deciding for others in the first place, unless there unless you know there's some sort of paternalistic you know need, right? But um, but for you know healthy adults, sound mind, whatever, there's no need for that. Let them let them go and figure the things out on their own. And so when we're constantly in there making those cases um, and trying to uh, guide other people in really direct ways, um, we short circuit. People's critical thinking skills. And unfortunately, this happens in really important places like at the doctor's office. Yes. Where I really, one of the things I should be getting out of interaction with medical professionals is a better sense of how to pursue my own health.
1: Right. Well, but and that often, takes time. That ta- That okay. kind of it's questioning often. takes time. But what I often get is
0: just do this. And I don't know, I don't, I don't have any idea how it promotes my health. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, that's too easy for all of us to accept from doctors, teachers, judges, whomever.
1: Right. Or mechanic, auto mechanics, bankers who, who, you know, but, um, so the real gift you can give someone or someone can give you is questions to help you figure out what you think and be a midwife to your own critical thinking and ask good questions. Um, you know what? And sometimes you are really good at, at, doing that with me and i appreciate well, that
0: sure well you're great at doing that with everybody that i see i mean that's something that i think oh, really? you're on today yeah for sure in your leadership stuff i see with a lot of folks so good i pick some of that well up
1: yay yay for us trying to be critical thinkers in the world
0: yeah let's all be midwives for good thinking i mean i think we need a bumper sticker or something right birth that good yeah. thinking hey hey can we get a little more rudy volkman in here let's get some more rudy volkman enjoy this Oh, and by the way, if you're digging on listening to some more of that Rudy Volkman stuff, uh, the first one that we were listening to was called Jump 145. That was the one from a little bit earlier. And this one that we're about to pick up is Water Sprite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs> not
1: Elevating questions. Ask open-ended questions. Make them authors, not witnesses. Ask them right to make meaning of their experience, not just what happened. Treat attention as all or nothing. Don't fear the pause. Keep the gem statements front and center, where the common ground is. Find disagreement under the disagreement and the midwife model. I love this article.
0: I think it's great that you brought it in, and I hope it's really helpful for people out there listening.
1: It's helpful for me.
0: (laughs) I think it was helpful for me too. So thanks a lot, Patty. Friends, we are out of time. We are so glad that you joined us today. We hope that these nine uh, guidelines or stylistic points or small frameworks for deepening your conversations are really, really helpful this week as you go into your holiday time, as you go into maybe uh, the regular time. Maybe there's nothing um, sort of different at all for you, but one thing that is the case no matter we're engaged in is that the thinking is challenging it comes at us fast in real time and uh, we all have the tools that we need to accomplish good thinking so work on those tools this week and if you get worried about it think i don't know if i can do this so many people have done this before you you can't stuff's for
2: everyone even you